Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand, episode 48 with Ben Rector. As I did the record, I ended up having a number of features on the record, which I was not initially trying to do, and they were hilarious. It was literally, it's Snoop Dogg, Kenny G, <laughs> Dave Coz, the One Voice Children's Choir, and then the guy from Dawes. So, and so, it, and, and, and the reason that I did that was because on this record, I was like, I want to have, I want to like make sure I really enjoy this and have fun. And we had a lot of fun talking with Ben Rector. He's got a, a new song out with Thomas Rhett. Uh, if you didn't know a lot about Ben Rector, me neither. He's an, uh, kind of an indie artist, not in the country music genre, uh, but now he is. He teamed up with Thomas Rhett, like I said, for that song. And we learned a lot about Ben Rector. I love this guy after interviewing him one time. I think you will, too. As always, thanks for giving us a like, a subscribe, uh, a comment, a rating. All that stuff helps us out on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Taste of Country Nights On Demand. Taste of Country Nights, we're hanging out with Ben Rector. What's up, man? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about you? Doing well. Glad to be here. That's good to have you in. I thought that was a Red Sox hat at first. I Almost. was about to be like, I don't no, know. No, yeah, get out of here. I can turn it backwards <laughs> if, if I need to. Thank God. All right. Um, dude, you debuted on the Opry I last did. night? Yeah, it was how, awesome. How was it good? Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where I didn't think that I would probably ever do that because I'm not like... A, I'm not a country artist. Um, so when they asked, I was super honored, man. It was, it was a really cool experience. Who introduced you? Um, it wasn't another artist. It oh, okay. Was, uh, oh, gosh, what was her name? It was one of the hosts. It wasn't Kelly. It was the other person. Okay, Natasha, okay. maybe. I feel bad. I talked to her for like, 30 seconds. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> Just to edit that part out. What was it like, though, like um, standing like there? It, 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 was, it was a really interesting thing because I feel like uh, – Places that have a lot of history, I feel like usually feel like museums and that place has so much history, but it still feels really vibrant. Like there's still so much going on there and it feels like you're in the place where things are happening. So, um, it, it was, it was a really special experience. So are you like a Thomas Rhett? I know you're a Thomas Rhett fan, mm -hmm. but like what made you, when you wrote this song, be like, I got to reach out to Thomas Rhett. So uh, what really happened was, um, so I was making the record and this was one of my favorite songs on the record, but I started to get a little nervous that there, you know, there's a couple other songs that I was like, this is probably going to be, you know, if I'm an A&R person, it's like, that's probably going to be a single from the record. And this song was so special to me and felt like a single. It started to feel less and less like the other songs. So I was like, I'm going to save this and like release it as its own thing or as part of another project to make sure that it like gets its due. And so then as I did the record, I ended up having a number of features on the record, which I was not initially trying to do. And they were hilarious. It was literally, it's Snoop Dogg, Kenny G, <laughs> Dave Coz, the One Voice Children's Choir, and then the guy from Dawes. So, and so, it, and, and, and the reason that I did that was because on this record, I was like, I want to have, I want to like make sure I really enjoy this and have fun. Cause I feel like the better stuff is gone, the more pressure there is. I, internally that I'm like, oh man, like I got to do a great job of this. And so on this one, I was like, I need to remember that I love this. And this was my hobby at one time. So I just asked people that I thought were cool and magically they all said yes. And so, uh, when I started thinking about this song, um, literally when I was writing it, I wasn't like, I'm going to pitch this to Thomas Rhett. Cause I was like, I, I want to sing this song. Okay. But, um, I think after the features thing was so fun, I was like, man, like 
I feel like he would be perfect on this because, um, and we, we knew each other a little bit. Um, a couple people had been like, Hey man, Thomas really enjoys your music. You should like reach out to him. And I was like, I'm never going to do that. Cause I'm just, I, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> right. Um, but so after the features were so fun, um, I was like, man, you know, it's, it's worth an ask to see if he resonates with the song just because we're in a similar life stage. And it seems like we have similar priorities with kids and family and stuff. Um, and he was great about it, man. You know, I, and I, again, I'm terrible at asking for things. I was like, please, please say no to this. Like, don't, don't, right. don't, you do not need to do this. And he was great. He was like, dude, this is, I love this song. Let's do it. And then he was really kind to, to do it on it. Dude. How do you ask Snoop Dogg? Tell me about that. <laughs> It was, it was a saga. Uh, my man, I finished that song and I'm, I'm a pessimist by nature, but for whatever reason, I told my manager right when I finished the song, I was like, I want Snoop Dogg to do this song and I think we can get him. And he was like, <laughs> what? So he found Snoop Dogg's manager and they were like, well, we got to make sure we like the song or Snoop likes the song. And in my newfound optimism, I was like, he's going to love it. It's going to be great. Uh, he liked the song. And then we worked out uh, how to compensate him for the feature, which was very hilarious. It, yeah, because doesn't he require like 200 grand or something? Well, you know, I feel like uh, yes and no. I probably legally cannot share anymore. It was not that. It was a lot of back and forth and working things out. Uh, and it ended up being something that felt like a good deal ish to me and obviously a good deal to him. Did you get to hang with him? It was, it was kind of in the middle of COVID and it was when he was, I did not, I wanted to go uh, deliver the payment in person and be like, what's up Snoop. But um, (laughs) it was, it was, it was also, it was also a little bit like they were like, you know, he's going to find a time to do this. It was when him and Kevin Hart were doing the Olympics. Uh And so he was a little bit, uh, I think, his days and nights were a little mixed up because he was doing that really early in the morning uh-huh. and it was the middle of COVID. So, uh, I didn't, I didn't do it in person. Um, but he was, it was going to be a, I was the one thing I was like, Hey, we got to make it a clean rap. I don't have any, uh, illusions about Snoop, like knowing my fan base super well or who what my vibe is. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I think he checked me out, but I, I don't know if he went deep enough to be like, Hey, like this has got to be pretty, pretty clean. Cause there's gonna be like a soccer mom listening to this. Right. Song. Right. I was like, yeah, yeah it'll be clean. And uh, they sent the rap and the deal was his manager was like, Hey, you know, Snoop does it one time. That's it. No, no redos. I, I got like, okay, it. Great. And um, great, great. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like, great. Right, that sounds good. Very cool. I'm a control freak. That scares me a lot. <laughs> uh, and I was like, they're like, yeah, it'll be clean. And then basically uh, we, uh, it is legal in California, but he did rap a little bit about uh, weed, which he loves. A Naturally. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it was the second line. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't use this. Cause like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not like anti that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I don't think that's a huge deal, but I feel like there are some people who listen to my music that might want, might want their kids to right, right. whatever. So I rapped over his part in my <laughs> effort to try to make it work. And I was like, it actually, it's actually really cool. And then my lawyer was like, you can't change his rap. That's like not a thing you can do. And okay. Like, oh no. So but he ended up being cool about it and the song is out. So that's the deal. Did you keep that line? The what line? The the line the, about the weed? Is no, that I, I wrapped over oh, it. Oh, and he was I, cool I, with it. Yes. I, I basically gotcha. took it out and I was like, I, I did a, I did a thing over it. Dude, that's sweet, man. What is it? Seven albums in and you get to work with Snoop Dogg. Snoop, man. Middle, <laughs> middle school me is just freaking out. <laughs> hey, speaking of middle school you, uh, hold on here. Uh, uh, will there ever be a uh, Euromart album? Wow. You went deep. 
deep, I, deep I know on the guys, research. I know you guys did a reunion in 2018. <laughs> now, would you guys ever do an album? Ah, oh, man, I, I don't think we would. Isn't one of the guys working with cranes? Uh, with cranes? I think he's a construction guy, if I found him right. Whoa, is he? Which guy? <laughs> Matt Wantland, maybe? Uh, yeah. He wanted... Whoa, dude, I haven't <laughs> talked to Matt Wantland in a long time. One of them is in Oklahoma that works for a crane company. That's probably Matt. <laughs> so I, so uh, it was me. So my good, my best friend, Chris Wiley, growing up, was we went to middle school together. We lived together in college. And um, he's referenced in a, another song on an album of mine. He played drums. Uh, and I keep up with him. The other guy lives in California. Matt Wantland and a crane company. Matt played bass. It was a hilarious purple, like Ibanez bass. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if we do an album. I don't know. I mean, Austin and Matt don't still really play music. I, maybe. I don't know. I think you should get in touch with him, man. I, I think. I think now. <laughs> you, let you, this you, be your inspiration. You, you. You figured it out for me. <laughs> yeah. If you're like, what, what's Matt Wantland up to? I'd be like, I don't know, man. I do not. I'll know. message Matt on LinkedIn. Okay, for Okay, great. Please and do. And we'll get this set up. He actually uh, lost a bunch of weight. He's like, he's a, he's he's like real into fitness now. Yeah. Oh, cool, man. According All to right. Facebook, don't take him on the road. That might be rough. Then uh, I maybe know. I don't know. Um, how has becoming a dad changed your songwriting? You know, um, it's, there's like a delay. I think, so when I had uh, my daughter, when we had my daughter, I think fans were, I was working on a record and everybody's like, can't wait for all the daughter songs. And I feel like it took, it took a while because at first it's, you know, it's just like survival mode. You're not like, oh my gosh, like you're doing all this funny stuff. You're just like, we are in the trenches. And I feel like it wasn't until honestly, she was probably like three or four that I started to be like, oh my gosh, you're a person and I have stuff I want to say to you. So I think just in general, being a father changes like my frame or like my view of the world totally. Like it's my life is forever altered because of that. But um, I'm not like, I'm going to write a bunch of songs for my kids. I think that it's more like I'm looking at life from a different perspective now, probably. Um, And I've written songs like that are like, Hey, this is about my daughter. But in general, I think it's more just like a paradigm shift where it's like, I used to look at the world this way. And now I look at it this way. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I'm processing it differently. You know, are there any other country artists that you would want to work with in the future? Man, honestly, I, I love country music. And I feel like even though I'm not a, you know, quote unquote country artist, um, I've, I grew up listening to country music. I grew up in Oklahoma um, and I, I listen to it a lot now and I'm friends with people that make country music. And I honestly feel like the music that I make is not, you know, is, is sonically and lyrically not very far apart. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know, I mean, there's so many people I have so much respect for that I would, it, it's not like, oh, there's one person. I mean, there's obviously people that are like, you're a legend and I'm, right, I, right, whatever. Right. But I mean, so many people that I think are doing really great stuff that I, you know, it does, I guess it doesn't feel super segmented to me. You know okay. what I mean? Like when I hear a Thomas Rhett song or whatever, I'm like, Oh, that like, you know, that that's not like, well, that's, you know, that's way different than what I do. Right. So right. I, I don't know that there's like one person. Um, yeah. I, 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 I respect it a lot and I think it's a great art form. I can see you getting along with Ryan Hurd. Yeah. dude. So we, we actually a long, long time ago played wiffle ball together <laughs> in my friend, Steve Mokler's backyard on Saturdays, okay. it, was, it, it, it was, it was really funny, but yeah, he would come, we'd like make hot dogs after, um, 
Yeah. I could feel I, I could see y'all writing a song together. Yeah, I don't man. know why I yeah. can see that. Yeah. He's a great guy. Um, all right, I want to talk about Joy. Yes. The red fluffy monster. Is that what's on your head? Yeah, it's on my head. Okay, okay. Does uh how big is Joy Dude. actuality, like weight wise? So just a just a quick synopsis of Joy. Uh Joy is sort of the mascot of this record cycle for me. We made him in conjunction with Henson's Creature Shop, which they make the Muppets in Sesame Street. And I was going to not do it with them. And then I was like, if you're going to make a Muppet, like you need to, if you're going to call your shot, like it, it better be a good Muppet. So um, they fabricated uh, it, him, and it is so much bigger than I thought it was going to be. So we took it on the road with us. I just keep saying it took him on the road with us. And um, he's like sort of a part of the show. And really for me, it was just fun to have a foil on stage. Uh-huh. To like pay attention to this guy for a little bit. Right. And honestly to like make everybody be in on the ridiculous joke of like that joy is a real creature. Does and, he have a backstory? Yeah. Kind of. Okay. It's, so wait, so, okay. Um, what is joy's favorite snack? Ice cream. Okay. What is joy's favorite pro sports team? I don't know that. Okay, what is Joy? Okay, is Joy lean conservative with his politics, or is you he know, more liberal? Joy, Joy doesn't actually talk a lot. You know, he he seems like a pretty down the middle guy to me. But we've never we've never really had a conversation about politics. But he strikes me as a reasonable person. What, what will be something that embarrasses Joy? Uh, the the to this you just got at a really important part of Joy. Joy, my whole thing was like that. Joy was supposed to be the embodiment of like that sort of state of being that emotion. And a big part of this record was me like doing stuff I was afraid of. Cause I'm so afraid of failure. And I was like, I don't want to be 60 and be like, I was so afraid the whole time. So I was like, I'm going to like in the videos, I like learned to dance. And so basically the whole thing about joy is that it's just like this like combination of like wild animal and kid, just like down for whatever. So I, I've never seen joy be embarrassed. And his whole bit is he's just like, dude, I'm, I'll do whatever, whatever, man. like literally like I'm down to party. Like, let's do this. So I, I don't know that he would get embarrassed that much. Do you guys have a shoe size on joy? Joy's shoes are, I mean, dude, it's like, like this big. It is, it is so like you and I could not fit our arms around him. He couldn't, we made it so big, he can't really get through doors, so you have to like put the arms in and like push through. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, one of your songs was featured in a Weight Watchers commercial with right. Oprah. That's Did right. you get to meet Oprah? I wish I had gotten to meet Oprah, but I didn't. But, you know, even just tangentially meeting her on that commercial, I was like, this is pretty cool. That is sweet. That is cool. Um, and having a business marketing degree, how yeah. has that helped you in music? I think, um, you know... I think that so if you're going to do any art form as a job, there's no escaping that that's going to be like the business is going to be a big part of it. So I think just, you know, being a part of that, I don't know, world has definitely helped because there's just so much that you have to pay attention to. Um, or you can have other people pay attention to it for you, but no one's going to care as much as you do. So I think it was really helpful just to like process that stuff. And honestly, man, in college, like, I, I wanted to do music, but I'm super practical and I didn't know if I would be able to. So I did like a commercial real estate internship. I liked it. Like I, I enjoy that stuff. And it's been really helpful for me to not just be like, I can't tie my shoes artist guy because you, <laughs> you, I feel like with what the industry is now, like you kind of got to be with it. You can't just be like an idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you mentioned the A&R stuff, I was yeah. like, okay, like, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think honestly, man, I think, uh, a lot of creative people, I think that it's a bit of a trope. Like people are like, oh, creative people are just like wizards and they don't know up from down. 
And I think the thing is that when you meet people that do this well, sustainably, that do it a long time, I feel like behind whatever sort of like sheen there is, they're like a marathon runner inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I think that sometimes people who don't do a creative thing professionally, it's like, you guys are probably all just like reading books and poetry, right? <laughs> and, and in reality, like it is an art form, but it's also like a professional sport. And so like a lot of people that I run into, it's like, man, like they're professional athletes. Like they're driven, they're, yeah. they're regimented. And, and that doesn't, those two things don't like, they're not opposites. Like creativity and that go hand in hand, you know? What do you think, uh, <laughs> It is about Oklahoma that brings out like your style of music and country music. Like what, what is, what's the draw? I I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's a very rural place. First of all, um, I I think though, Oklahoman people, a core thing about Oklahomans is humility. And I think that's partially like, there's nothing cool about Oklahoma. Like if you go there, uh, it's not an, a striking, it's not like the Rocky mountains or like the Northwest. It's like a pretty plain place. Yeah. And I think that the people there, uh, I think are the best part of it. I think they're the best people in the country, which is not very humble of me, but I think like, <laughs> I think, you know, that there's a little bit of just like, uh, humility, salt of the earth, kind of that, that's like the thing there. It's like, you don't want to be showy. You don't want to whatever. And I think there's a lot of that in country music too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, um, those two things fit together well. So I, I don't, I don't really know, but I think it being rural and it being like such a place where humility is a thing that to me, you know, that's not rocket science. Makes sense, man. Yeah. Well, congrats on the album. I know it's been about five months or whatever, but yeah. we love it. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. And good stories too about Snoop Dogg yeah. and Tom Surrett. Appreciate Thanks, man. that, man. Yeah, Thanks for coming by. Thanks. All right. And uh, after our interviews, we like to have uh, Billy Dukes from behind the camera kind of step in to talk about this interview. Uh, except for this one, you weren't here. Uh, someone else was behind the camera, but you just listened to it. I did. I was really excited about how, how, how all in he was about talking about joy. Yeah, I, I went home and I was talking to my wife about that. I was like, dude, this guy that I interviewed today has a mascot. She's like, oh, cool, okay. I was like, no, you don't understand. I showed her the whole Instagram thing. I was like, it's a real deal, like Muppet. It's made by the Muppet people. It's huge. And I was like, it's it's a whole bit. Like, it's his best friend. And the backstory that he has created I have a feeling it could have gotten as deep as I went. Like, sure. Like, I I have a feeling he had an, a quick answer for everything. Yeah, favorite TV show. Uh, yeah. You know, my memories from high school he regrets, first kiss, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. First beer, assuming he's over 21. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> I've never, have you ever had an artist that has that sort of a mascot? You know, that's what's so refreshing about this is that this kind of thing doesn't really happen in country music. There might be like a, a joke or or something that, you know, a, an insidery few people will know about, but no one ever takes it to sort of this level and then commits to it to this degree in country. I love it. I think the closest we have in country, and correct me if I'm wrong, would be like Earl Dibbles Jr., like the Granger yes. Smith, except it's a human per mm-hmm. se. Yeah, there's a few alter egos. And sometimes people will be so kind of connected to their dog that it's almost like a mascot. Like Dirk Spentley had a dog named Jake for a long time. That people uh, okay. Would bring a, Brett Eldridge had Edgar, his dog. That yeah. Was kind of his, until he wasn't anymore. And so that's about the closest we get. 
Yeah, that it was really cool. Um, like he has a logo and everything. Uh, he came in wearing a Joy hat. Uh, ben Rector did, and uh, like he has like merch. He's an indie artist, and it amazes me. Like he is definitely willing to spend money to make money because, like, to work with the Henson Company, that had to cost big bucks. Then he's dropping significant money, although apparently not two hundred thousand dollars, right. <laughs> to get Snoop Dogg on the record. Like this dude, he's not. Probably living in a huge Jason Aldean like mansion. Yeah, but but then the thing that weird tricks me with that is that he's had like seven albums. So it's like, is he really popular? But in the indie scene, so like you can only get so popular. Like Crystal Burger isn't quite White Castle, or like uh, Popeyes isn't quite Chick Fil A. Like, is it that? Like he's is he the all star of the indie scene? But it's indie? I don't know. How how high is that ceiling, though? Like, I'm looking on Spotify, and it says Ben Rector, 2.6 million monthly listeners, which is pretty good. Let's compare that to someone like, I don't know, give me an artist. Kane Brown? There you go. All right, Kane Brown has, there you go. Kane Brown has 12.1 monthly. And he's hot right now, though, so it's yeah. probably a little bit high. Do like... Um... Do you like uh, Dylan Scott? All right, Dylan Scott. That's a good example. I'm going to get, what's your guess? This is almost like the celebrity. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, I would say like four million. I'm going to say, I'm going to undercut you a little and say three and a half. Okay. No, you got it. 4.057 million. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I mean, he's okay. like two thirds of a Dylan Scott. Yeah. So, I mean. But he's got all of his own publishing. He's writing all of his own songs, yeah. so he's not sharing that money with anybody. So, okay, he's got joy money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and and uh, he has a lot of collaborations uh, on the album, and and you know, like you said, I mean, we don't know what the Snoop Dogg one was, and I don't know how collaborations work. Does he have to pay for everyone? Does everyone want a collab? I don't know. This is something we need to ask country artists because I never knew that you had to pay. I thought it was. Just kind of a favor in the country community. I would would I would say that you're right. I I don't think country artists pay other country artists. I I would say no, but in other genres they do. Um, well, I think hip hop might be one of the only one. Maybe like rock, but I know that it, it's definitely in hip hop. You have to spend money on the track, like the instrumental. From the producers. Sure. And, and then uh, if you want to get someone on, you have to buy, like I know DaBaby uh, is $300,000 right now for a verse on a song. Wow. And that comes with him uh, doing the verse, you know, uh, promotional assets with it and him being tied to it, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't think in country music, like when you have like a Carly Pierce, Lee Bryce, I hope you're happy now song. I don't think anyone's getting paid. No, no one's, but how about like Keith, both Keith Urban and Jimmy Allen have had Pitbull on songs. Are they See, throwing Pitbull some money? I would venture to say no. I would say no because Pitbull is a businessman. He's in NASCAR. He owns NASCAR stuff. I would venture to say that he would see the... Um, benefit of doing a free feature for a country artist. I would I would say like 
I would say there's no country artist getting charged for a feature. That would be that's what I would say. Well, we're gonna have to ask Jimmy Allen. I mean, this is kind of like almost like one of those taboo things you don't ask country artists. So I don't know how you're gonna figure it out, but well, I we like gotta figure it out with and he'd be the one. Jimmy Allen's our litmus. <laughs> We've said that numerous times. If we ever really want to know something, Jimmy yeah. Allen's the guy to ask. He overshares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I'm gonna flip this question on you because I've heard you ask a number of artists kind of a similar question. But how did becoming a dad change you as a radio host? Oh man, everything. Like uh I used to do stuff on the radio that I wouldn't want my daughter to hear. I wouldn't be proud of. Um but I think that growing up and being in a new format, I was in a different format before country. I was in like pop radio. Yeah. And like back in the day in pop radio, like anything went. Like you were just it was just crazy. Um but I think being a dad kind of makes me see um, all aspects of life. Like I used to think people listen to the radio so hard. And now that I'm a dad and I'm like, there's so many things going on when you're in the car with your kids. Like you, the chances of someone actually hearing every word of what you say is like impossible. Right. Um, so stuff like that, but yeah, it, yeah. it, it made, always made me take sort of those one-on-one like listener phone calls and contacts a little bit more seriously because i know like you're asking people to not only pay attention amongst all those things going on but then they're picking up the phone and calling me yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know we want to talk about this like wow that is a that is a a, a gift that's very true <laughs> and, and i think only it's either one i think one or ten one percent of uh your active listening audience will call right so for oh, every surprises that high yeah and that yeah yeah yeah. Or interact, you right. know. That makes sense. Um, it, it, it was, with Ben, it was really easy to put yourself in his shoes, like when he's telling that story about Snoop Dogg and kind of being a control freak. I think maybe that's what works with him with music, too, is like you can kind of instantly feel like he's you or you're him, so to speak. Very humble. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought it was funny, the the whole back to the Snoop Dogg thing, how he got the verse from Snoop Dogg and there was a line in there that he didn't want in there. And he like was like, I'm just going to rap over it. But you could tell like by looking at him that like it was like talk. I just was like talking to myself like he, he was like so excited to have worked with Snoop Dogg. And like the way he talked about it, you could like really tell like this dude is just like the real He's just like a regular dude. Yeah, I really liked him. Yeah, and thank you guys so much for listening to Taste of Country Nights On Demand. I'm Evan Paul, uh, host of Taste of Country Nights, which airs on over 115 radio stations all across America, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. to midnight. And uh, this podcast is part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network.